Hi, good afternoon. Welcome to the Woman by Definition podcast. Um, I'm going to go through Susie Green. For those of you who are listening, so audio only, uh, what you'll hear is Susie Green's TED Talk. Um, it's very interesting, her whole thing really, because she, um, she comes across very cold and calculated. But I suspect, even though I know she's wrong, I suspect what she thought she was doing with this child when he was that age, unbeknownst to her, because it's often very difficult to face our own prejudices or to recognise the trauma and, and find more difficult solutions. Um, but I think she probably thought she was doing the right thing. I think the sinister aspect of Susie Green and Mermaids comes when those parents that have invested their own children through quite harmful medical procedures uh, and pathways try and make themselves feel like they've done the right thing by advocating for others to do it. And not just advocating and supporting, but, but quite frankly, um, what, what Susie Green has done is she has made an, an entire industry out of mermaids. And I feel her life is now about justifying what she has done to her son and what she allowed to be done to her son. Because then if you, if you have a duplicate number of these kids all around and you are convinced somehow that they are all faring well or are more happy about being trans, which I think is a really complicated thing in the first place, then I think you probably live and sleep a little better in your own skin when it comes to the decisions you've made. You know, if other people are coming along with you for that journey, then perhaps you feel you've done the right thing. So this is Susie Green's TED Talk in Truro. Twenty years ago, my life took on a wholly unexpected direction. I was sat watching television with my then four-year-old son, and he said he needed to tell me something. And I said, fine, yeah, what is it? And he turned to me and he said, Mummy, God's made a mistake, and I should have been a girl. Right, first point. That doesn't come out of nowhere. There will have been other things that happened before that that would make her think, or make him think, that there was something wrong with his body. And I'll tell you why that happens. Because children don't really look at their fingers or, or any other aspect of their body, apparently. You know, many of these parents that say nonsense like this, their children just happen to think that their, their genitals are wrong, that they are born in the wrong sex. And that can only come through nurture. And I don't mean that Susie Green was some evil mother that told her child that, um, you know, he, he, he had a penis and it wasn't that evil thing. I mean that that child associated being a boy or being a girl with certain things that he could or couldn't do. I was terrified. But also... Can I just say, I don't think if one of my kids said that, I would genuinely be terrified. I think I'd think it was the same 
as almost anything children say, which is contextualised by the fact that they are four years old, not even at school. You know, if, if my child said, I've just murdered a cat, I probably would be terrified. But if my child said, God's made a mistake, I'm actually a girl, I think I would think no more of that than I will be having chocolate for breakfast, lunch and dinner tomorrow. Explained so many things, so many things. But a bit like Monopoly, I jumped straight from fear, straight into denial. And Monopoly. told really Jack that... I've, I've thought was... about this so many times. I genuinely don't get that reference. Like Monopoly, from fear into denial. No. Fine to be a boy and like girly things, but that didn't make him a girl. Now, why did she go straight to that? Why would you go straight to that? It's fine to be a boy and like girly things, unless he already liked things that were stereotypically, apparently for girls, and that you had decided that that meant something. And he looked at me and he dropped his eyes and he didn't say anything else that day anyway. So what I want to do is I want to walk you through the process that has filled the last 24 years of both my life and my child's life and hopefully explain our journey. So, from Jack to Jackie. So, how did this eight-pound baby boy, and by the way, she hates this picture. She said it makes her look like a member of the village people. I find that quite odd, because I don't think many people hate their baby pictures, but that's just me. Turn into this 24-year-old young woman. There's something about the picture that she chooses here. There's something about that picture. I find it really interesting because if I was to show you a picture of my daughter, it wouldn't be in a bikini top with her breasts sort of sloping down and really little shorts with big glasses on. It would probably be a relatively wholesome photo. I mean, that's just me being picky, but I th there's something deeply, I find this quite uncomfortable that out of all the pictures, of um, Jackie she chose to put up for everybody to see knowing it was going on the internet. It was this particular picture. And I, I really do think that that is a broad kind of feeling I have about this whole uh, episode, this whole transing of kids, this whole sort of weird thing that Susie Green is involved in. They look hot. Well, even Jack that was uh, my first child. I thought I knew what Even to expect, that. but really I started to notice that as soon as he got mobile and could express himself, he was gravitating towards things that you would see as stereotypically female. But I wasn't bothered. That didn't, you know, that didn't um, phase me at all as far as I was concerned. Children should be allowed to play with whatever they want to play with, even if it doesn't fit the just... norm. I've got four children. I'm very lucky I've got four lovely children. And... I don't know if I'd really think, in fact, one of my boys did because I had a, a daughter as well. All of my boys liked lots, a wide range of toys from cars, which was very much what I liked as a kid and absolutely loved cars, to dolls, to push chairs, to a little lining board, to a till, to a kitchen. You know, there wasn't, 
I would say that my daughter probably identified more strongly with feminine stuff, but I think that's because she had two older brothers. I, I don't think you can separate that stuff out. So I, I, I find all her comments really interesting. The fact that she sort of reflects on that he he was always a bit more girly because he liked girly toys. And at the Childminders, when I went back to work, Jack's favourite outfits were the tutu and the Snow White costume. And again, that was fine. But not for Dad. So, Jackie's dad struggled, and he blamed me. His thoughts were that because I allowed the Polly Pocket and the My Little Pony... And here we have it. This, now, I'll let you listen, make up your own mind. ...that I was facilitating and encouraging. And I disagreed, and it caused tensions. What I had come to the conclusion with over sort of the, the sort of years up until she was about two was that I had a very sensitive, quite effeminate little boy who was probably gay. Age two. At age two, she thought he was effeminate and sensitive and probably gay. I want to know, and you can leave a message in the comments, how many of us have children that we even think about their sexuality at age two, that we're making any assumptions about their behavior and linking it to sexuality. This is really just, it's like she's either retrospectively sort of making this up or attributing stuff that wasn't really there, or she genuinely, had a very fixed idea about what a boy should be and this child just wasn't fitting it at all. But Jack's dad did not approve of our child's effeminate behaviour and it creates such tensions that we ended up in couples counselling. We went to couples counselling and what they said to us as parents that we had to agree, no matter what it was that we agreed upon, we had to agree. At that point, Tim decided that I must agree with him, apparently. And um, all the girl toys, all girly toys as such, were taken away and put away, and Jack was made aware that this was not appropriate. There goes the trauma. Now, she's flitting between ages. I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt here. And I'm going to say it didn't happen at two years old. I mean, I may correct myself in a minute, but I'm going to say it didn't happen at two years old. I think this is when he was four. So in his formative years, before he's gone to school, he has expressed a desire to play with dolls, wearing dresses, um, having Polly Pockets, probably absolutely loving those tiny little things, enjoying himself. And his father not only had made it clear that he didn't like his effeminate behaviour, but he'd also taken all his toys away. Now, I want you imagine, to imagine, any of you that are parents or have any knowledge of children at all, imagine taking all of their favourite toys away because you didn't like the fact that they liked them and they were for girls. So take a boy and you say to that boy, you can't have these because they're for girls. What do you think that boy is going to do? Do you think maybe he's going to say that he is a girl? And a suddenly confident, happy little boy became quite quiet, withdrawn, very clingy and tearful. 
because his dad hid all of his toys. I didn't like it and I didn't think it was right. And really for me, the point at which I really put my foot down was about a few weeks later, I think, and my mum phoned me and said, what's going on with Jack? And I said, what do you mean? She said, well, I phoned a couple of days ago to ask what Jack wanted for Christmas. And he took the phone out of the room and said, can you buy me Barbie Rapunzel? But can you please hide it? Because if mummy and daddy find it, they're going to take it away. Again, a clearly traumatized child who knows his father doesn't approve of the way he behaves and the things that he loves playing with. And let's remember when you're a kid, I don't know if any of your children have ever lost a toy, but toys are incredibly precious to children. And he's so traumatized and know it's so disapproved of what he wants to do that he's asking his own grandmother to buy him something and hide it. And I realized that I was shaming my child and their toy choices and the toy embargo stopped. But I went to my GP because I was lost and I did not know what to do. And she raised her eyebrows and she went, ooh, that's interesting which wasn't really very helpful because I was hoping for some direction. And then she wasn't the first and she certainly wouldn't be the last person to tell me that it was a phase. It's quite a long one by now, wouldn't you say? And that she would grow out of it. But she didn't. So basically, a mother that didn't understand her own prejudice, but did recognise it in her husband, but didn't understand trauma, goes to the why would you go to the doctor why would you go if you took all your kids toys away and they were unhappy and then you kind of stopped the that because you realized it was shaming and that child had already reached out to a grandparent why is she going to the doctor at this point what is she, why would you go to the doctor about this child why would you not think that all the adults around them had made really bad decisions and displayed really poor behavior and what happened was she kept reiterating, I'm a girl, I'm a girl, I'm really a girl. Six years old, she asked me when she could have the operation to make her a girl. Ah, okay, so she, she says again here that the child is four. So this is, before the, <laughs> before the child is four, at two, it apparently starts playing, he apparently starts playing with girls' toys and is effeminate, before the age of two, is effeminate and suspected to be gay. By the time they're four, they say that they want to be a girl. And she muddles up some of this because she hasn't mentioned already that the toys have been taken away. And I think the toys have probably been taken away before that child ever said they want to be a girl. Um, and then she retrospectively kind of attaches all the girl kind of want to everything he's ever done up until that point. And so between, this is now between the age of four and six she's talking about. And it was really hard for me as a parent to watch the devastation when I told her that she had to wait until she was a grown-up before that could happen. No child, unless they've been told there is an operation, asks for an operation. I'm pretty sure that that is misrepresenting the truth. But what that identified for me is that I had to do something and I couldn't keep ignoring this and pretending it wasn't happening. And so I did some internet searches. Again, a six, your six-year-old comes to you after saying at four that they think they're born in the wrong body or they're the wrong sex or whatever. 
And then at six, they say they want an operation to be a girl. And rather than you saying, bearing in mind this, this, this girl is about 24 now. So this is about, let's be concerned, this is 20 years ago. This is the year to sort of 2000, 2002. She's telling that, that girl, uh, boy that he can have an operation when he's 18. So affirming in that child's head that it is possible to change sex. And I put in, my son wants to be a girl. And it came up with a number of different sizes, but I think about 10th on the listing was a... At six. At six years old, you can't ignore it. There are six years old and it's people, children of six years old in this country with not enough to eat, whose mothers have to explain away them being hungry every night, who don't understand why Father Christmas hasn't come, and you couldn't keep your child like mental health intact at six by saying to them that actually changing sex is impossible. Site called Mermaids. So I clicked on that and there was a phone number. And I made really quite a pivotal call for me. And I spoke to Lynn, who was a founder member of Mermaids, a charity. I think I cried through the entire conversation because it was such a relief to finally talk to somebody who understood what I was going through and could point to similes regarding their children and my child. It gave me hope. At seven years old, Jackie was referred to the Tavistock, which is the NHS clinic that supports children and young people with gender dysphoria. I'm just, I'm going to have to just say it again. This is a child who is six. This child has been saying for two years, could even be every day, I doubt it very much. This is a child who was traumatised by a homophobic father, throwing away all their toys, then saying that they wanted to be a girl or they were a girl and it made a mistake because clearly the trauma was, was great. And then at six, she goes to the doctor and also seeks help to find out if there are other children. Like, so if this is a real thing that children genuinely are, are what? I don't know what she was looking for here and received a diagnosis of gender dysphoria. Oh, really? Not a big surprise. So not trauma. And this was back in the day when the Tavistock had time. They had time. They hardly had any children that were patients at that time. And they couldn't, they couldn't unravel what she's just said here, which is basically the husband was pretty abusive and homophobic. It's, I, I, I'm, it's just disgusting. And at eight years old, unfortunately, her um, dad and I separated. I Look, let me tell you, if, if I, my husband, who I frequently say how much I adore him, if he had thrown my kids' toys away, any of my children's toys away, when they were four, or hid them, and told them that they were effeminate, and made it very clear that they were ashamed, they would not be in my house for a further four bloody years. But what this did for me was gave me much more freedom to be able to give Jackie expression. Um, the Tavistock said that allowing her girl clothes in the house was, was helpful and said that she needed to remain in male persona outside of the home. And that was fine. In male persona. That's an interesting phrase there, isn't it? And I remember our first shopping trip for girl clothes. And we went into the store 
And I said, okay, so over there, there's the girl clothes. You can go and get a couple of things, anything you like. And the look on her face was indescribable. She was so happy. And she went pelting off, and she came back about two minutes later, and she had two dresses she couldn't decide. And she was holding them up, and she was just beaming. And she was just like, which one? Do you like this one best or this one best? And doing a twirl. And I just thought to myself, oh, my goodness, is, is somebody watching me now thinking, this mother with this little boy with dresses, what is she doing? She just totally reaffirms the fact. She just totally reaffirms the shame element of this child. That's what she does. I don't think she realises that. I, I, don't, I don't think she's any self-awareness that what she's basically presenting here is the case against transitioning children, that this child is traumatised, um, that she feels great shame about a boy liking dresses. Um, and also she talks that the persona comment is, is about, you know, are you a persona? I'm not a female persona. I'm just who I am. Um, so I think that's, I think all of this is so fascinating that actually what we see now in our schools is built upon the story of this woman and her traumatised uh, son. And then I looked back at my child in front of me and I looked at her face and I thought, do you know something? I can't care about what strangers think. The most important person to me is right there in front of me right now. At 10 years old, we went on holiday. So we had three weeks where Jackie lived as Jackie. By this point, and you can see by the slide, it says girl all the time, 10 years old. By this point, uh, this boy is in a situation that he can't return from, basically. There's no opportunity now for him to say, actually, I'm just a boy and I'm happy to be a boy because so much fuss has been made and attention and everything's changed. Dad's left now, you know, dad's been gone for two years. I don't know how much contact um, the father has, but that's, um, you know, there's, there's a point at which really this child is gonna find it very difficult to change their mind. Girl pronouns, girl names, girl clothes for the entire time. And what that really pointed out to me was how much lighter how much happier, how much more cheerful my kid was, just like literally from getting up to going to bed. And it was at that point I decided that actually forcing my child to live as a boy in school was the wrong thing because I was sending her that message. Live as a boy in school. I think she meant dress. That somehow wanting and needing to be a girl and express herself as a girl was shameful, that, that it was something to be hidden secret it's really interesting she's used the word shame a few times and i just i wonder if that wasn't constantly communicated to this child this like this notion of shame so the last year of primary school was her absolute best year of school ever so she grew her hair she wore the girls school uniform and school said that they noticed an entirely different child from the one from the previous year. And the kids were amazing. 
I remember the head teacher saying to me that she'd uh, overheard a conversation between two of the little girls, and one girl said to the other, why, why is Jack growing his hair and wearing girl clothes? And the other girl went, oh, didn't you know, he's got a girl brain in a boy body. Well, that's gaslighting there, Susie, that's great. The absolute lie that uh, a DNA of a human can create a completely sex body and then mess it up when it gets to the brain and put the wrong sex inside. And the other little girl went, oh, okay. <laughs> and that was it. Unfortunately, some of the parents weren't quite so open-minded and we had to get the police involved when we had a mother when she was collecting her own child who was about the same age as Jackie leaning out of the window of her car and shouting abuse at my 10-year-old daughter walking home from school. By this time, Tim had come around. He had seen more and more that this wasn't something that was a choice. This was just a part of who our daughter was. And he was now supporting. And frankly, she wraps him around her little finger. Another little trope, isn't it? Another little girls have daddies wrapped around their fingers. It's just another little sexist trope there. She just keeps spitting them out. But we were now preparing for secondary school and the Tavistock were fully on board and helping. But from the minute she walked in the door, she was annihilated. Can I just say, I don't condone bullying. It's, it's pretty awful. I'm sure that child's life was horrendous, uh, not helped by the trauma already suffered at home. But most of us, most of us like things to be straightforward and honest. And a boy dressing up as a girl and demanding that everybody treats him as a girl and probably using girl spaces and all the other things that she would have insisted on. Kids don't like it. They just, they just won't like it. Uh, kids, kids can be gaslit and, and bullied into accepting this stuff, but generally speaking, they have an instinct of not trusting stuff that isn't true. Absolutely annihilated. And within two weeks, she took her first overdose. Let me just say, Susie Green repeatedly, as a charitable organisation, Mermaids and Stonewall and all of them, repeatedly talk about suicide and rates of suicide and attempting suicide. And I, I just want to say that that child didn't try and attempt suicide because they were trans. And I don't know whether or not um, people who attempt suicide who don't succeed are, are actually mean it. I don't know what the uh, research shows in that, but I'm pretty sure the, the level upon level upon level of trauma and dishonesty would lead any child into finding their lives incredibly difficult. I spent the next three years on suicide watch. And I look back and I don't know how I got through that, but I don't know how she did either. Must have been absolutely terrifying. I mean, I do think part of the suicide ideation is kind of, it's force fed to these kids. But also, if you are living in a situation where you're constantly in fear of being found out, to be something that you're not. You know, every time you go to the loo, every time you walk past someone new, every time someone looks at you a little bit too long, every time someone sort of 
meet you and, and is new, every time that happens, there has got to be an element of anxiety, if not anxiety from the minute you leave the house, that you are going to get found out. And I really, really can't imagine how that must feel for any child. I think it's appalling. And that's why I stand firmly against even the social transition of children. To add to all of this, puberty. So at 12 years old, she started going through a male puberty. And it was horrific. She began cutting herself. And we were absolutely desperate and faced with an NHS at that time, it's different now, who wouldn't prescribe any medication to pause puberty, no matter how badly a child reacted to those stages. I went back into research mode, and I found a doctor in America who was working with children with gender dysphoria and who would prescribe totally reversible blocking medication. I don't know if Susie Green knows that that's not true, but I know it's not true. I don't, I don't suspect she knew at the time that it wasn't true. And I do think that she genuinely thought she was doing right by her child, right? This whole process, you know, didn't stop and think and examine, apparently didn't reflect, didn't think when that child was being bullied and attempting suicide, didn't once think, are we doing the right thing? Is this right for this boy? Um, I genuinely don't think she, she that passed her and that pauses puberty if taken away puberty resumes but it gives children like my daughter the time and space to live and be without their bodies changing i know he looks like indiana jones but he really is a proper proper doctor um, he's dr norman spack and he works at the children's hospital in boston and he is a world renowned expert and he saved my daughter's life i have no doubt about that whatsoever in the midst of all of this, school was up and down. Eventually, we found her a school where she went to school eight miles away from home, and nobody knew her as anything other than Jackie. And that sort of settled down. But the effect on her education, on her life, was profound. She had had seven overdoses in three years, all related to transphobic abuse and attacks. And... One of her best friends was the hate crimes coordinator for West Leeds, so... I think I've met that hate crime coordinator. I think this is the one that interviewed me under caution. <laughs> Who said that, um, that people weren't castrated when they had sex reassignment surgery from male to uh, male. That gives you a bit of an indication of what she went through. But at 16, my daughter underwent gender reassignment surgery. This is the thing I call castration and the slicing and inverting of the penis. And now the next bit, I'm going to let her talk to you. I'm, I'm not actually going to look. If you want to look up uh, comments on uh, Jackie Green, you are more than welcome. I don't really have anything to say because I think he's been a victim of um, extreme trauma as a child. And the answer to that extreme trauma apparently is to, um, is to remove any adult sexual uh, function from him 
is to give him drugs that at the time were not legal in the United Kingdom, surgeries that were not legal in the United Kingdom. Um, my personal view is the abuses that he sustained are incredibly profound. I can't watch that. I have to look down because it still affects me. I feel quite, I feel mean for saying this, but I'm going to say it. She doesn't look affected. I mean, I'm sure she is. I'm sure everything she's done is for the love of that child, if not incredibly misguided. I just wish she'd stopped with her own child. I wish she hadn't done it at all to him, but I wish she'd stopped with her own child. But taking her own personal anecdotal stuff here, not understanding the, the, the episodes beforehand that led to that child at four, apparently saying that they, they were really a girl, but not having any reflection, never having any reflection, that that's what happened to that boy. And then trying to force that particular story onto other children and families and propagating it in schools, I think is unforgivable. You know, whether she did it for love in the first place um, doesn't really matter when she is, uh, you know, her organisation really is one of the main ones that's spreading this absolute hell throughout our school systems and into the young minds of children online. Let's not forget mermaids advertise in the middle of Minecraft videos. I'm now CEO of Mermaid, so I'm running the charity that I contacted so many years ago. This gives a little bit of an indication of the demand and how it's rising and what we are facing in terms of young people coming forward. And the good thing is that parents are now listening as well but you can see the difference. She, she sees this, right? And it's gone up so much more now, but she sees this as good. This is something she thinks is good. She talks about her son trying to repeatedly take his own life seven times in three years. She talks about him being bullied at school. She talks about him being miserable. Why would you want 2,227 kids? to feel the same. Why would that be good? Society maybe is becoming more accepting at the same time. Children and young people across the country are still being treated like Jackie was. This is from a 2017 Stonewall survey. 51% of trans children are bullied. One in 10 received death threats. I just say, um, girls, I think it's something like 75% or even 90% of girls report being sexually harassed at school. 84% self-harm compared to 10% of the population and 45% of them attempt suicide at least once. Being transgender is not a mental health illness. That is not true. That is 100% not true. Nearly half of the children actually attempt suicide Bearing in mind that that is a self-reporting survey, that is not a survey done by a suicide charity who actually concerns themselves with suicide, which you'd think, if that was true, they would re be reporting that, not Stonewall. Society's prejudice, discrimination and hatred leads to anxiety and depression. So it, it, a mental health issue, something that makes you try and cut yourself, something that makes you want to take drugs to stop your body developing, something that makes you, uh, apparently at six, say that you want an operation to change into the opposite sex, 
something that that makes you attempt suicide something that makes you feel very low and depressed and apparently not yourself when you're wearing clothes of the sex that you don't want the sex that you are not the sex you want to be all that stuff and it's not a mental health issue all right Susan now this is her now and you can see see the ultimate a taller slimmer woman than Susie is I think that might be something to do with why you think that you're son has achieved so much as a female she's maybe a little bit of a diva as well don't know where she gets that from bottom line is she's happy and isn't that all that matters very weird these are very weird photos to display it's kind of like it, it's kind of like she made it because she's um attractive so the reason this this boy can be seen as a girl is because he he made a better looking girl probably than he would have a boy. Bottom line is, can't have kids. Has no sexual function. Can't can't really uh, know what's what's in store in the future because. Um, penis isn't meant to be inverted it's supposed to be flesh that's external so it gets oxygen it's not supposed to be cut up and folded up into a created orifice that flesh doesn't doesn't last doesn't say stay supple inside the body because it's not supposed to be there um you know i think the whole thing's really shocking uh joe bartosh has done a really good article for Spike today. I, I implore you to check it out. Uh, she talks about mermaids and you know everybody's giving money to them. Amazon, Tesco's, uh, National Lottery Fund. You know they, they they get a lot of money. I think I think it's about time that we, as concerned citizens, uh, stopped this charity from from receiving any funding from anywhere and that it got its uh, charitable status taken away because what they are doing on the back of this woman's story, which essentially was a traumatized child in a homophobic household with all their toys taken away, just thinking that the way to be reunited with toys and with the things that they liked was to say they were a girl. Anyway, I hope you've enjoyed this. Please do like, share and subscribe. Um, tell your mates, tell your friends, send people to watch it and uh, have a great weekend. Bye.